Hey guys and welcome back to Sport Mental Health and it's all COVID-19's fault. As always, I'm Dean Wixon. I'll be presenting your show. This week I had a great chat with Jem Walmart from football, previously Football Victoria and working with Football Australia. Great insight into a different side of the game. Hope you enjoy it. Right, guys, today I'm really excited to welcome a person with community and elite experience in sport in general. And uh, she started playing as a young girl, playing in both boys and girls comps. She then moved into coaching at the age of 12, believe it or not. She's in football administration and has excelled in this, making her path to leading, leading programs from the top. A few main highlights of she's coach was a coaching course presenter, W League team manager at Newcastle Jets, comps coordinator in Vic, and the designer of the Soccer Mums program. And now she's working in the junior and a senior Matildas program. Jen Wilmot. Jen, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Not bad. That's half the podcast used up just on your intro. <laughs> You know? It sounds really impressive like that. It feels like um, it's gone in a blink of an eye, though, um, with everything <laughs> that's going on. But um, I must say, when I get people to send me their list of what they've done, not many people just copy their CV and paste that <laughs> on <it>, So, <laughs> Mate, my CV is significantly longer than that. You've got the brief version. <laughs> I'm going to you know, go into in-depth. It's really hard to actually write my CV because I don't know um, what parts to use because quite a lot of everything that I've done is applicable to everything that I could apply for as well. So I'm just like, is it relevant? Is it not relevant? I don't know. It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's when someone says yeah. to you, what are your, what's your credentials? You know, yeah. they've come on to you and go, oh, do you want to do a podcast? And then they're saying, tell me why you should be on it. It's quite hard, isn't it? Like, it's it's well, awful. I, 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 yeah, I did a presentation with Northern New South Wales football a couple of weeks ago. And um, after we finished, um, Holly, who's the female participation officer there, said, oh, Jen, we probably should have split that into three different segments. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give it more justice, I guess. But, you know, that's, that's nice feedback to get. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, how, how, are you got, how are you doing up in uh, the northern suburbs? You know, you, you seem pretty healthy for someone who lives up there. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's it's tough. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a bit sick of, um, you know, the four walls all scenario, considering I'm normally um, out and about. Like, I'm getting Facebook memories over the last month and, in, and I'll continue this month with Junior Matilda's memories from last year when we went to Pacific Islands and um, <laughs> AFC finals in, in Thailand. This is a little bit of a different environment. Well, you could um, go to a Thai restaurant now for a delivery. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, today my journey is Thai food. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's the extent of my cultural engagement at the moment is takeaway through Uber Eats. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? It's it's just so. Yeah. I hate the phrase COVID normal, but like it is so different to what we consider normal. Oh, definitely, and just just like normal life in football is, you know having comprehension of what COVID normal is going to be, um, especially, <laughs> I just don't know. It's going to be interesting, I tell you what. But I'm all for the slow, 
get back so we can get back and generally get back. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I can understand the frustrations. I'm pretty keen to get back out in the park and um, be more involved in football. But, you know, it's, it's the way it is at this point. I've, so I've got to be honest. I actually found the announcement pretty positive. I was like, we now know what we have to hit. We know what will happen if we hit those numbers. It, it, I actually thought it was quite a positive announcement i think i'm the only one <laughs> no I, I i agree with you like i feel like this one had a little bit more certainty to it like yeah. it wasn't um you know this is what we think they've actually sort of thought about it and planned it out which um you know being an organized liking to plan person um i think that this is something that i can relate to a little bit more um is it still frustrating? Of course, it's still frustrating. I want to go yeah. back to Newcastle, hang out with my dog. I want to go see <laughs> friends and, you know, have, you know, more conversations that aren't virtual conversations, have actual face-to-face -face conversations. That'd be great. What an interesting concept. Um, actually <laughs> yeah. hug somebody when you say hello. I know. Weird, eh? <laughs> well, to be honest, anyone that knows me, they know that I'm not a big hugger. So this is actually being great for me because I'm not a, I'm not a great hugger. I don't like people invading my personal space. I'm like one of those awkward people where you go up and you're like, do we shake hands? Do we, do we kiss on the cheek? Do we hug? We're just like, hi. Hi <laughs> and step back. Like, no, don't touch me. Don't touch me. No, it, 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 it is very different. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, like, oh, when we get the ice baths and someone just went, mate, I don't know if you'll be allowed to do ice baths. And I'm like, <laughs> and you just don't comprehend, like, this could be such a big, yeah. such a big difference, you know? <laughs> like, it's crazy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But so, obviously, you started playing as a youngster, like many people did, and, and played boys, girls, comps, um, which people did back then a lot more. Um, and and made better players, but that's a different discussion. But what what was it? What age do you think you decided to sort of put play into the back of your mind and, and go with the admin sort of side of it, or the other roles in general? Well, I I, I grew up coaching and playing, um, and I did that in yeah. both soccer and sorry football and cricket. Um, so, like, I grew up playing both sports um, and I played at reasonable level in, in football um, and then I played state cricket um, as well. So, it was nice, well-rounded. I was the fittest I've ever been um, in, in that respect. Um, but, like, I really enjoy helping other people along their journey when I realised that I probably wasn't going to make it in terms of a player. Um, as much as I love playing, it's a good release. Um, I saw administration as an opportunity to be able to help other people have a better experience, um, maybe reach their dreams, help them get to their dreams as well. So, um, you know, a, a great byproduct has been that I've been able to represent my country and stuff like that, which is yeah. great. But um, at the same time, like seeing somebody like Carly Rossbacken debut for her country at the age of, you know, 14, 15, and then see her, you know, go onto the world stage at the World Cup last year. Like that's the type of things that you, you just want to be a part of. Um, so it was probably to answer your question in a roundabout way. <laughs> it was probably around. Eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, 
<laughs> it was probably around um, maybe end of school that I really realized how much of an impact I could have. Um, yeah. And that was coaching my brother's boys team um, under 18s team. And they, um, yeah, like the kids that I met and everything like that, they were just, you know, they were never really given a chance until I started coaching them. And I saw how much it grew them as a person. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, I have to be more involved in this. And I actually couldn't see myself doing anything other than sport either. So yeah. by being able to work in the game that I love as well was just, um, you know, a great opportunity. Um, but at that stage, I still didn't actually know football administration either. So yeah. I didn't know what opportunities there were. I just did a coaching course with Northern New South Wales football and the guy that was running it ha happened to be head of community comps, uh, community, you know, football. Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, so you interested in working in football? I was just like, I can work in football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so uh, I, you know, got a phone call um, saying if I wanted to start at Northern New South Wales football. And I was like, oh, I'm actually going to Hungary for seven weeks is it okay if I <laughs> come after that unfortunately they said yes and then you know that was just started me down the path so you kind of kind of fell into it a little bit like it was kind of a wasn't a planned sort of thing as such no yeah no like I wouldn't say it was planned um but at the same time you know there's a lot of talk about you know you know the lucky situation that you know you have to like you just fall into a position or you, yeah. you get somewhere because you know somebody and you know yeah. luck plays a, a big part and like yeah sure it was lucky that you know I was able to you know be noticed at this coaching course but there were you know 40 other people on this coaching course nobody else was asked to you know become an administrator in the game so you've got to have you, you know even if you're not sure of the opportunities if I look back, the things that I was doing in the lead up to that prepared me to be ready for that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the experience and knowledge that I could reapply. Um, you know, I was talking about my CV before <laughs> last week yeah. we were having a chat. Like, it's just, um, you know, how you put stuff in um, that rewords it to actually apply to your new role. Um, and there's a lot of life experience that really helps you be a good sports administrator. It doesn't necessarily have to fall back on your experience in the game. It's the way that you operate as a person and, and, and consider it to other people as well. Yeah, and, and as much as you may have been lucky in the sense of you're on the course that was run by this person. Yeah. That may, that's probably for me where the luck would end because then you have to show that, and I've been on these coaching courses and <laughs> there's a lot of ego floating uh -huh. about, you know, then it's, it's normally men on the course. Oh, yes, they're, yes. They're I think I was one of two women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're all trying to go, oh, look, my biceps are bigger than yours kind of thing. And yeah. To, to break through that and then, like you say, show, prove a little bit, that's not luck. That's, 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 that's just you showing your, your attributes through mm. a crowd of testosterone, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, I've been the guy at the front going, boy, oh, look at me. Like, <laughs> you know, so, no, you, yeah. you wouldn't believe yeah. I was, I'm actually the one at the back who don't really say that much, shockingly. Yeah, well, I think, I think that um, a measured response to that sort of scenario is what probably gives, you know, a good 
reflection to other people. So like yeah. I, I still have I still have vivid memories of me sitting in this change room where it um I think it was uh Lambton Jaffa's um main field and um yeah it's just across the road from Hunter Stadium. Like it's it's a great little pitch, great, yeah. great club. I played summer seven summer sixes there and stuff like that. But like I just remember sitting there and like my feet couldn't touch the ground from the benches in the in the change room. So I'm just like <laughs> swinging my feet. And the boys, like the guys are just talking, they're trying to plan a session. I'd already planned it. I'd already written it all down and they're all just sitting there talk, talking about it. And, um, you know, this person's like, oh, no, 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 this, this, this. And he's like, oh, no, no, I proved myself over here. Oh, no, I proved myself over here. And I was just like, look, I've already done it. Can we just do it like this? And I, and I could see Pete looking at me. And I think he, like, he, he saw it. He was just like, all oh, right. And they were like, oh, that's a really good way of doing it. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> and then, well, you know, letting other people talk first and then coming in at the right time. I think that, well, that tell you what. makes a little bit of skill and patience. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to talk later about being a woman in that sort of more male-dominated environment. Because yeah. I'm... I'm really intrigued to hear what that is. But I tell you, we'll take a little break and then we'll get back and we're going to talk about some Matilda stuff. Okay, sounds good. So, Jen, I want to find out. So, there's a perception of a team manager, all right? My perception of a team manager. Is that they give him that they write the book at the beginning of the game and they give it to the referee, and then they sit on the bench and annoy me for the next ninety minutes. What does right. what does a team manager do in like a, an international level, whether that's okay. juniors or, or or senior? Okay, well there there is a difference between you know responsibilities obviously between the juniors and the seniors. There's a little yeah. bit more to happen in the senior space. Um, as a team manager in, in the junior space, that's my main role with yeah. FFA, um, is that I do all of the pre-camp um, domestic international planning. So that's booking in accommodation, training venues, um, training schedules in collaboration with the head coach, obviously, um, team player selections, um, booking of flights, all of that sort of stuff. So all of the anything that needs to happen before a camp to get someone in. Um, I also have to do all of the AFC registrations. So before any AFC um, competition, we have to have, you know, at, at maximum 50 players registered on the AFC system, which is a very old system. It works and everything like that. It's great, but it is quite time consuming to do, um, which means that you have to have all this specific documentation for each player. So um, on top of, you know, any, camp specific selections where you have 23 players coming in as an example we'd still have to have those 50 players as if they could potentially come in at any point so we could register them on on the system because if they're not registered before the cutoff then they're not eligible to play you can put in exemptions and we have done that in the past um you know because you know injury and specific player positions or um that sort of thing Um, or, you know, trying to get somebody in um, for, you know, player identity side of things. So they've got to be naturalised so they can play for Australia. Um, so there's a lot of backroom um, administration for that. 
Um, so typically before anything that comes into play, we're, we're probably starting. So typically our, our comps are September, um, yep. somewhere in Asia. Not um, this year. <laughs> starting to change. Yeah, correct. Um, so that's starting to change. And that was already going to change before COVID. Like our next mm. one was actually always going to be in April next year. Um, so we, we, you know, we had already worked out that we weren't going to have any, um, you know, international football potentially this year unless we had some sort of funding come through from FIFA or IFC. Before nationals and NTC competitions, that's typically when I will start to become more active um, with administration um, because that's where we're, we're doing all the player identification for, for players to come in. Yep. Um, and that's so, you know, March of this year, I was starting to compile the list because we're starting a new cycle of Junior Matildas. So each cycle lasts for two years um, and finishes at, at the end of a World Cup. Yep. So, or so if we qualify, obviously, or it's end of AFC finals if we don't qualify for the World Cup. Yeah. So is that is that the scouts across the country kind of thing will send you the information of all yeah. the talent? You compile that for the head coaches and stuff to... Yeah, so typically what will happen is Ray Dower, who's the head coach of the under-17s, will compile lists of players. So she already had an existing list from last year's nationals that she yeah. wanted to build off. So it was touching base with NTC, um, you know, state federations to say, hey, um, you know, this is who we have on the lists at this point in time. Can you give us an update on where they are, where they're still playing? Um, is there anybody you want to add to this list that's come in outside, like after nationals of last year? Because, you know, 12 months is yeah. a long time for this age group. Um, and, you know, there's injuries, people stop playing, people start playing, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So um, most of that work is done by the head coach, but then I compile it all into a list and then I contact the players directly. So it's me that does that, that conversation directly with players. Um, which they'll be asked to complete an online player details form that gives me all of the information that I could possibly need um, to, to do, you know, the AFC registrations, the, um, you know, flight bookings, all of that sort of stuff. I send out individual emails so you get your dear Olivia, you've yeah, been yeah. selected. You're, like, so it's personalised because I really feel like it's a big step in, in their direction and their, their dreams that, you know, even if they print it out and that's something that they have in their, their, oh, their book of yeah. selection, like that's, that's big. Like I remember growing up with like this book of yearly things that I, that I had achieved and it was a great way to look back on, on what you've achieved. Um, and, you know, those sort of selection emails and stuff, but we got them in the post when no. I was growing up. If I had a <laughs> I book. My, my cricket selections in posts. If I would have a very empty book from my childhood of selection. Oh, look, I was very Detention much about threats. being. very much about doing as much sport as possible opposed to schoolwork. Um, so you know that's. Hey, I, yeah, that was I still remember. I think I was two thousand and six sportsman of the year for Tring yeah. School. You know, I mean the yeah. idea of a little chat of big chubby kid walking up to collect that still 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 confuses me but i i got it you did it that's it that's all you have to do exactly but no, so like obviously 
you can tell when you talk about it like the idea of working with the Matildas or the junior Matildas represent just makes you smile like it's yeah. it, I think I think and it till I sort of found out more about this sort of role it never applied mm. and it never really shocked me that you would be proud of because you're still representing your country you kind of think players coaches you don't think of the the peripheral roles and yeah, yeah. Like, you can tell you just love being a part of that yeah look I think it's something that a lot of sports don't do well and that's celebrating the people that actually well I wouldn't say actually do that's probably wrong but that still do a lot of the work um, there's a lot of backroom staff across junior Matildas, senior, senior, all the way up to the senior yeah. Matildas that do a lot of work and do a lot of balancing in terms of, you know, they've got their other job and then they've got this job um, and they still manage to get people on the path. Um, and, you know, giving more of an insight into those roles will help, you know, players moving forward in terms of having that plan B option. Yeah. Um, if they get injured, you know, they can still be a part of the game that they love, but potentially, you know, in a different capacity. Um, and highlighting that it's not just, you know, they don't just turn up at a field and play. You yeah. know, there's a lot of work that goes into that um, and a lot more work goes into it than, say, with the Junior Matilda side because... Uh, with the seniors because you know you've got to work out the media you've got to make sure security is right you've got to make sure like in terms of security for junior matildas it's more about child safety than <laughs> yeah. um you know, oh, <laughs> you know a crazy fan coming up and yeah. stuff like that you know maybe we have to have a bridge guff bridge with the with the parents maybe but <laughs> um <laughs> you know that's that's you know <laughs> customer relations and i'm pretty good at that now <laughs> It seems but, you know, like... there's a lot of complexity that goes into it that people don't realise and, you know, a little bit more acknowledgement or highlighting, you know, good for, you know, you know staff well-being as well. Yeah. Um, but then also highlighting, you know, there's other opportunities in the game that you can, that you can go for. So It's, it's, it's interesting because team manager kind of, it sounds like it, not downplays it that title, but like it's, it, I don't know, it's more like a general manager of the team. Like, I, I don't yeah. know how, because it's not just, I guess it is team related stuff, but it's, when you say team manager, you think game day, but it's not, it's, yeah. the game day's not yeah, really would, comparative to the rest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I know that the the term team manager isn't used across all of the world so Never like you know yeah no. exactly so like when i've spoken to people especially from an english background they were like oh it would have been great to have a team manager when i was coaching then i wouldn't have to worry about doing all of this off-field stuff i could just focus on the technical component of coaching um which is great and like that was one of the first comments that i had from um ray when i started working with her was she contacted me and she's like oh jen we've got to do this this and this and i'm like and she's like I'll, I'll get to this and i'll do this and i was just like ray stop i've already done it like i've like it's done like i i, I that's me <laughs> Right, Jen. So as we mentioned earlier, I want to I want to delve into this sort of this coaching course perception, right? 
So I've been on two coaching courses in Australia, and I think there was a woman on one of them. I think my memory's rubbish, but so it's a male-dominated area. Yeah. Now you, you sort of touched on going on a course, and that went one way. You used to run courses. Okay, so I can only imagine the the stereotypes and the perceptions you probably had to overcome at the beginning. Is there, is there any part of that? Because as much, this is about mental health as well. Like, if there was bad experiences, that would have been horrible. Yeah, look, when I look back on the time, like I remember turning up um, at one course and feeling like I had to prove myself the first part of the course. Like, I used to run primarily, you know, the grassroots course, which is the mini roos course, um, and, the, and the junior licence um, before it became the skill acquisition license. Um, and I was still, you know, still running coaching courses when they did change, um, you know, the courses across to yeah. the game and training and, and all, and all of that. But most of my experience was in the, in the past community courses. Um, and like even in a junior course, like I'd turn up and they'd be like, I'd like, I'd be all set up. I'm quite an organized person. I'll get there like an hour before to make sure I'm all set up, ready to go. Um, yeah. and I would prefer to be standing around waiting then you know rushing Rush. sort of all out, out and you know that sort of stuff it just makes me settle and then i can you know greet people as they arrive i, I like that 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 part but you know that there's always that element of them sort of looking around trying to see where the presenter is and that sort of stuff even though i'm wearing all i was wearing northern kit they're still like so who's running the course <laughs> me yay <laughs> um and you know i i have always had this perception that you know maybe I'm not taking it seriously because I, I do laugh a lot. I'm a laugher. Um, it's just no. the way that I am. But <laughs> and, and, you know, some, sometimes that could be taken the wrong way that, you know, I'm not taking it seriously, you know, that sort of thing, yeah. which is so not the case. But, you know, there's this element of whether it's a perceived or actual scenario of having to prove yourself every single time you rock up, which is tiring. Like, it's tiring. Yeah. I should just be able to turn up everybody listens to me, everybody knows that, you know, I'm it, like, why would I be running a course if I didn't know what I was talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, is, is it because that, you know, other people rock up and run courses and they don't know what they're talking about? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I know everything. Like I, I grew up coaching. I used to sit in, don't tell my school this. Um, I used to sit in the, in the library doing all my coaching plans instead of studying. <laughs> like that's, that's what I used to do. I used to draw it all out. I had all my coloured pens. It was like not even on the screen. It was just all on paper and it looked really cool. Um, and that sort of stuff. Like I lived and breathed it back then. Um, yeah. So, you know, that that sort of side of it is um, pretty big of being organised. And, you know, I don't know everything. Everyone's going to be able to come in with a different perspective. And although I was coach, I had been coaching previously, I wasn't actively coaching when I was running coaching courses um, because, you know, you couldn't do that. Like I'm a, you're either committed or you're not. So if I can't be at every single training session, every single game, then I'm not there. So, um, so it is, it's, it is a little bit different and um, getting people to talk about their experiences is a really big thing at coaching courses, um, which can lead to, you know, awkward situations and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the other thing that comes to mind when I think about running coaching courses was when I had to give feedback because, you know, those old courses, you, you yeah. actually could pass or fail. You yeah. had to 
you know, <laughs> I had to give feedback. And there was a couple of times where they just did not accept my feedback, which is, which is sad because it's not like, I, I don't think I ever failed anyone. It was, you know, you've got to think about it this way. You've got yeah. to, you know, you're coaching community-based football. You're not coaching elite players yeah. um, and that sort of stuff. Like bringing it back to their experience of where they actually are. You can't watch a Barcelona training drill and then expect your under eight D Correct. team to yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And like, I would always try and find out where they were coaching, who they were coaching, the age group they were coaching, that sort of stuff. Um, because, you know, you've, your feedback's got to be relevant to what they're doing yeah. um, and what they want to do. Um, otherwise, you know, it's not, you know, specific enough for them to actually improve and become better. Um, but, you know, at the same time, some of, some of my best experiences were running grassroots courses. Like I love the, that course, that mini ruse grassroots course. Um, and the, and the, and the, the discovery phase in general was just like my favorite. I think I, no matter where, like I'm up in the senior level predominantly now, I still coach juniors, still love coaching yeah. the four, five, six year olds. It, it's the, I reckon it's one of the best ages to take coach, but yeah. Yeah. Well, look, not I, everyone's I, I, view. I'm taking a step as to. I love running the courses in terms of dealing with the kids. No, thank you. You can have that. <laughs> I love it. Like I'm, like, I'm in there coaching, like, the under we, the youngest club team we've got. Our club's under 10 girls. I take their session. No problem. Love it. Like, if they, they look at you like you're mad. Like, ah, it's good. They're good fun. They're good fun. So, we're on to the last bit. We're on to our last bit. We're playing this or that. Okay. So everyone plays it. So they're pretty easy. Nothing controversial. <laughs> okay, so, good. My wife told me not to do anything controversial. So uh, you should always listen to the wife. <laughs> I don't have a choice. So, <laughs> Correct. Uh, we're going right. Ready? Yes. We're going playing or coaching. Playing. Football or soccer? Football. New South Wales or Vic? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Victoria. <laughs> Sorry, New South Wales. Sorry. <laughs> day or night? Oh, day. Love COVID or fuck COVID? Fuck <laughs> COVID. That's a common answer, that one, eh? <laughs> it's, it's such a hard answer, though, because, like, I love the, the fact that I've had some time off and stuff like that, but I would much prefer to have gone to the Olympics and, you know, that sort of stuff. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Jen, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really cool to get a, a more administrative sort of view on on sport and, and how we can push forward and the, and the mental side of it for the girls. Um, yeah, it's been really great having you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been good to delve into the past <laughs> and say, fuck COVID. Cool. Exactly. <laughs>